Hi, and welcome to the Ask My Mom podcast, a podcast for young adults about all the things we didn't learn in school. Here to share her knowledge with our generation is my mom, Jen Exer, and accredited financial counselor, Jennifer. If you learned something on today's episode or simply enjoy the pod, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to it. To get in touch with us, you can submit your questions via email to askmymompod at gmail.com. You can also like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at askmymompod. We greatly appreciate all your support. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Ask My Mom podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Kateri, and she is a personal finance instructor at my daughter's high school that actually has a personal finance class, which I'm so happy about. And she also teaches algebra two, which I don't understand at all, but personal finance, I really can appreciate that. And I'm so happy that you are at school this year. We've had personal finance for a number of years. This is my first year teaching personal finance. I told you in an email that Jenna did not want to take personal finance, but I'm glad she did. I'm like, Jenna, come on. It's an easy A. Yeah. (laughs) But she doesn't ask me for help. So she's not cheating, but she does tell me some tidbits and, and she does get excited about it, which is nice, really nice to hear. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to teach personal finance? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is my second year here and I have always had a passion for education and, and bringing, you know, knowledge to the youth. Um, And I didn't teach personal finance last year and kind of heard that this class was coming up and, Oftentimes I get students, you know, especially in algebra two, asking me, how is this applicable to my real life? And a lot of times I don't have a good answer for them. You know, we're, we're learning how to problem solve kids. Um, But with personal finance, I really jumped at that opportunity, having studied math and economics, um, personal finance kind of meshes the two and bringing that to high school students, I think is so valuable. Um, And it definitely gets at the question of when am I going to apply this to my everyday life? well, every day with personal finance. So I've loved getting to talk with students about the importance of saving, the importance of budgeting, planning for college, teaching a lot of seniors, your daughter included. Um, Just being able to have those kind of candid conversations that we don't typically get in an Algebra 2 classroom unless we're off topic. Um, So I think that, you know, we were talking just before we got on about the statistics of how many um, schools are now requiring personal finance to be taught in high schools and, you know, 21 now. And I think that it just speaks to how we're realizing that as a society, we need to start having these financial conversations from a young age. Yeah. 21 states now. And you mentioned that where you grew up, it wasn't required, but that's one of the new states Mm -hmm. that is now requiring it, which is really nice. That's almost half, which is kind of inspiring. Because when I was in high school, they did teach this stuff, but it was kind of associated with home ec because I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I went to high school in the eighties and that's <laughs> what we did back then. But I did learn a lot of these things now that I see that our young people didn't get, which is kind of heartbreaking because budgeting. And I was on another meeting earlier today where we were talking about how young people don't, they don't get the basics. They don't understand mm-hmm. savings. They don't understand why or even how it works long-term. So yeah. what, what do you see? What do you see as the biggest 
thing that, that they just don't know and they don't know to ask. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think a lot of times they don't know where to start. And so one of the first, um, you know, sections that we start off with in my class is savings and the importance of, of developing your savings and how it doesn't start off immediately. You got, you got to start somewhere and you're not going to go from zero to 100 overnight. So, but if you never start, you're never going to get anywhere. And so one of the things that, that we talk about is just, you know, saving in ways that are tangible. So for instance, so many of my students, um, you know, get their Starbucks drinks and we talk about like how that adds up over time and, you know, thinking about the opportunity costs of, spending your money on that Starbucks versus tucking that money away. Maybe you get Starbucks once or twice a week because we don't want to cut all those things out that we're interested in. Right. And especially when you're in high school, you know, going to Starbucks is a way that you get along with friends and and things like that. Right. You don't want to cut those out completely, but thinking about having all of these things in moderation and tucking away that five or $6 and then starting to build your savings. And so I think one of the biggest misconceptions is you know, that savings is going to happen later. Like, I don't need to worry about that now. Um, I, from a young age, and we'll probably get to this later, have always been a saver, like always tucking that money away from grandma, like in my, you know, the sock drawer. And I think that just kind of instilling this um, almost like delayed gratification, right? Like, Right now we're all like instant gratification, you know, with social media and all of those things. And I think just showing students that if you tuck that money away to the side for later things that are going to bring you more enjoyment than that Starbucks drink that you just got the same one yesterday. Um, So I think just that misconception of savings doesn't happen later. It happens now. I think I I finally got through to Jenna on that a few months ago because she works now and she's never has any money. And I'm like, girl, you know, like this isn't (laughs) going to work for you. You're leaving for college. Yeah. To have some spending money because I don't want you to work the first semester. Mm -hmm. She used to go get coffee every morning. And then I was like, how much are you spending a day? And I did the math for her. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is what you're spending every month. And she was like floored because she wasn't connecting that $5 drink to that $100 she was spending every Mm -hmm. month. Yeah. And I think we'll get to this later when we talk about kind of my four things that I wish they taught us in high school. Um, And it's, just like, you know, when we talk about budgeting, it's not only thinking about where you want to spend your money, but also when we do our budgeting unit, I have them track every single thing that they spend during the month and write it down. And I, the reflections that I get after are, I didn't want to spend money on that because I didn't want to have to write it down in my, (laughs) on my note. Right. So even just the thought of having to actually sit with where am I spending my money and see it, you know, whether it's in doing the math or just written out on a piece of paper or on an Excel spreadsheet, I think helps them to realize, oh, I need to stop spending my money in this way or kind of seeing trends of, of where their money is going. Definitely planting those seeds. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, when I counsel adults, it's, it's the same thing. Like, let's go through your bank statement and we add up all mm-hmm. the categories and like, this is what you spent. Mm-hmm. And it really just like flips a switch of, oh my goodness, like I can make changes and not suffer. and achieve those things that I really, really want Mm -hmm. and set those smart goals, you know, as we call them to get where you want to go. So it's just so important. And that's what the whole podcast is about is the things they didn't learn in school. Mm -hmm. But in my meeting today, we were talking about that and, and it's just really, they don't know. They don't know that there's questions that they should be asking. Absolutely. So I think that's the most important part is trying to answer those questions Mm -hmm. 
now pro let's be proactive instead yeah. of reactive. And I think so much of, you know, what, what we can teach them in personal finance in their first semester that they're taking a course is just what are, what are the things that they need to be asking questions about and where can they go to learn about these things? Because, you know, there's so many resources online. We've already exchanged some resources in terms of YouTube videos and things that just get students thinking about these things. Um, and so I think giving them kind of the tools and their tool belt to, you know, do that research on their own and just be more, more able to discern that as they go forward into what they're doing next. So have you, have you showed them compound interest? We've talked a works? little bit about compound interest. Yeah. That'll blow their minds when mm-hmm. they see that. Like, they'll be yeah. like, where do I open my IRA? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then also, you know, compound interest on the other side, if you're borrowing and how that can just spiral into, into a lot of debt. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the scary thing. So yeah, we yeah. want it to work for us, not against us. So what are the four things you wish you had known growing up and that you want your students to keep with them? So these four things, the first one is use your credit card wisely and always pay it off in full. The second one, make a budget and track your spending. The third one, which we'll laugh about, but it'll make sense when we talk about it later is how to cook. And the fourth one is save now, not later, which we already touched on a little bit. So when you talk about use your credit card wisely and always pay in Mm -hmm. full, how do you explain that to them, the why? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's, there's maybe a little bit of a debate of like, are credit cards good or are credit cards bad? And I think that it really comes down to how you use it. Um, So when I got my first credit card, my parents, you know, drilled in me every month when you get your credit card bill, you have to pay the full amount that you took out. Right. And when you use your credit card, you're using it not because you don't have the cash in your wallet. You're using it because, you know, maybe you don't have the cash, but you know, you have the money in your in your checking account. Right. You know that you're going to be be able to pay this off in full at the end of the month. And the importance of as you're using your credit card, you're building your credit score right there. You know, we talk about the five components that go into your credit score and then when you need to go and take out a loan for, you know, your first car or for your mortgage on your house, right? They're going to look at your credit score. And so those five things are like your payment history. Like how have you kept up with your payments? Have you had any late payments? The amounts owed, right? So how much are you utilizing your credit? Um, The length of your credit history, right? So that kind of goes in with, um, you know, I got my first credit card right before I went off to college. Um, so then I was like starting to build my credit and show that I'm a responsible borrower from a young age. And then, you know, the fourth and fifth are new credit and types of credit. So as you're starting out, like you're probably just going to have a credit card as your, as your first line of credit, but just the importance of being able to show that you're responsible enough to put, put things onto your credit card, but then at the end of the month paid off in full. And, you know, we were talking about compound interest. I show this video where it shows just how quickly credit card debt can spiral if you only pay that minimum. And so, you know, we talk when we introduce credit in in the classroom, just about how, you know, you're using a credit card. It's like a mini loan. You have to pay it back at the end of the month. Don't put anything on there that, you know, you're not going to be able to pay off at the end of the month. It's not free money. That's not how it works. I remember when I was little and I thought, well, why don't you just put it on your credit card? (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of people still have that 
conception, even when they do have credit cards. And that's scary because there are so many kids who don't learn these things. And then mm-hmm. the credit card companies are at the college, like the orientation days or the move-in mm-hmm. days or big events they have pushing credit cards on college mm-hmm. students, which is really sad and scary because they don't have credit yet. Their interest is astronomical and they don't know mm-hmm. how to manage it because they didn't mm-hmm. learn that. They didn't learn yeah. to use it wisely and paid off. And I see so many kids t- these days you know, we used to call it keeping up with the Joneses, but now it's more like the Kardashians. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the Kardashians are the downfall of our, (laughs) of our youth and their credit problems and that peer pressure. And then the TV shows, they don't know how these things work. So they are just going to put on their credit card and then suddenly Mm -hmm. that's maxed out. And now, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I can't afford the minimum payment. Mm -hmm. So now I can't afford groceries. And it just is this spiral and it's scary. So mm-hmm. yeah, keeping ha- planting those seeds and like really making them aware you're saving however many kids you have in your class, like 15 or 20, hopefully yeah. from making those mistakes mm-hmm. and hopefully they'll yeah. tell their friends and they'll be, you know, they'll be in college and they'll be like, you really don't want to put that on your credit card. Yeah. You know, what's yeah. going to happen if you put that on your credit card, mm-hmm. so hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll continue to share yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like credit cards are a tool. And if we use them well, they can be really helpful and build that credit score. But if we use them poorly, like if we use anything poorly, um, it can really affect us in the long run. So your next one was make a budget. And the way you explained it is also kind of the way I do it when I'm counseling people. So, Mm -hmm. and we do the same thing, like, where's your money going and now make your deliberate decisions on where you want it to go. Yeah, absolutely. I think in your, in your savings podcast, um, you're kind of talking about those different phrases that there are about money. And one of them that you mentioned, you control your money. Yeah. Don't don't let your money control you. Because money does control us. Especially when we're in trouble with it, especially when we have debt. And one of the things that, you know, we stress when we're talking about building a budget is just like knowing where your money is going. I think so often, and kind of, we touched on this when we talked about the tendency for them to just get something at the concession stand or get something at Starbucks and they're not really thinking about where that money is going or how much they're really spending. Cause they don't want to think about it. They're like if I just don't think about it, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the case. And so one of the things that we start with is, you know, you need to think about how much is your income. And so it was interesting last semester, I had a lot of 10th and 11th graders who didn't have jobs yet. So they didn't really have an income. So I'm looking forward to doing budgeting this semester because we've got a lot of seniors who have jobs and are going off to college are going to have expenses that they have to think about. And so when you're building a budget, you really want to think about what, what is your income? Like, what do you have to work with? And you probably talk about, you know, zero based budgeting, right? So making sure that all of your money has some place to go. And so thinking about what are those categories, starting off with the needs, right? Like we need food, we need gas. You know, if we have to pay for housing, we need to pay for housing, cell phone bill, right? So all of those things that they're having to start off thinking about when they move off to college or when they're graduating college. So starting with allocating those, those are fixed things that, you know, you know, you know how much you have to pay in rent. You can have an estimate of how much your grocery bill is, right? It might fluctuate from month to month you know, what your water bill, all those things are going to be. So starting off there and then thinking about the money that you have left to work with, obviously allocating money to savings. So, you know, that 10 to 20% going to savings and then not even thinking about that as money you have to work with. 
And then once you've done that, then you can start thinking about what money do I have left to pay for my Starbucks, right? If I know that Starbucks brings me, you know, this much joy, um, I was an economics major. So I love thinking (laughs) about the utility of things. So if I, if I get, you know, so much enjoyment out of my Starbucks, well, let me put that into my budget. And that's something that I talked to the, talk to the students about, you know, think about how many times can you treat yourself in a month with what you have left to work with and put in the budget. So then you don't have to feel guilty when you go into the the Starbucks line and, and get your drink. And that's the same thing goes with those bigger purchases, just making sure that you're factoring it into your budget. We talked about how a lot of times people just don't like to think about it. They don't like to think about what money they have left over when if they really just sat down and thought about, you know, those expenses that they know are coming, they'd actually see that they do have money left over that they can do things with and then they can save for bigger things. I'm a huge believer in budgeting for fun mm-hmm. because what's the point? Because if there's no fun involved, then you're not going to stick to it anyway. That and then multiple savings accounts, I believe in also. Mm-hmm. So you can save for that purse. It's okay to have it, but save a little bit of money each month in that specific account or in your envelope or whatever you have. And when you have the cash, then get it. Yeah. And just yeah. budget for it. We talk about developing savings goals. And I think you kind of touched on that a little bit. I'd be interested to hear what you do to develop savings goals with your with the adults that you work with. Um, but we think about, you know, what are the short-term savings goals? So maybe the short-term savings goal is, you know, that new purse. Maybe the medium-term savings goal is you're, you know, you're going on a vacation in the next, you know, couple months. And then long-term all those things in the future, right? Like eventually a house or a car or things like that. And so I think having students think about like those tangible things that they need to save for outside of their Starbucks drink. We're talking a lot about Starbucks, Um, (laughs) but outside of that, then they realize, oh, I do want to have money for that. And if I just forego that drink, you know, for a couple of weeks, I'm going to have that money stored up. And so I think working with them to develop those savings goals is super important. But the hard part is when they're this age, they don't think they're going to live to be in their sixties and seventies because that's like forever from now. Yeah. Like like, that's the hard part. Yeah. Like, and that's what, yeah, that's what you said. Like, think about it later. And that's the hard part because you can't, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I'll be like my grandparents age. Yeah. But it happens like that. Trust me. So I am pretty passionate about wanting them to do better. I want them to do better than I did. I want them Mm -hmm. to do better than my parents did. And a lot of families don't talk about money either, which we're probably unique around my house because it is kind of sometimes a taboo subject, but a lot of families don't talk about that, which I think is kind of a detriment, especially when they do are doing it the right way. Mm -hmm. And they don't share that with their kids because they don't want to talk about money. Like you had parents who shared with you, which is fantastic Mm -hmm. because it's, it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about how that, that statistic of, you know, just like a little bit of financial education makes people feel less kind of apprehensive about it all. Um, And I think it is kind of that we talk about, you know, math anxiety when we're thinking about, you know, algebra two, but I think there's also kind of that finance anxiety. And so just introducing it from a younger age, I think we'll do a tremendous amount for our society. Mm -hmm. And I think a great place to start is the emergency fund. Um, Because I I shared that statistic with my class as well. 
And, you know, when they realize $400, that doesn't, doesn't seem like that much. How, how is it possible to not be able to make that expense? And we actually were talking about savings right before Ida hit. And then, um, you know, coming back, it, I think it hit a lot closer to home for those students. And I think when we bring it into terms like that, people realize I need to think about this and I need to start planning for this because I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and nobody, I mean, even though you have it, you don't want to spend it, but just think how hard it is if, when you don't have it mm-hmm. and now you're in debt. Yeah. And now you're trying to get another credit card because the one you already have is maxed out and mm-hmm. just the struggles that can come from it, which is, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. to see. And that's when compound interest is no longer a blessing, but a curse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We, that statistic was, was it 10 hours? Yeah. People with 10 hours of financial education in high school. I don't, I don't, here we go. I've got it. Both the amount and quality of financial education appear to matter. Americans who have participated in 10 hours or more of financial education exhibit better financial behaviors than those who have not. So that was from the NFCS report from 2018. So it's, it's so nice to see though. Now these kids are getting more than 10 hours and actually Jenna's been far more receptive hearing financial things from you than she is from me, (laughs) which I appreciate. Noelle used to say all the time, she only had a dollar for every piece of unsolicited financial advice I'd given her. She'd be a millionaire. But now she's, she, you know, she's into it now and she she understands why I was always talking about it. So the next one was how to cook. So how does that relate to finance? Yeah, I know it's kind of out of left field, but I'm so grateful that I had a family that prioritized eating at home, preparing meals ourselves. My mom loves to cook and I'm very grateful that I got that passion and the skill. Um, And so I think, you know, we've talked a lot about eating out, you know, whether it's Taco Bell, Starbucks or whatever the the kids are into these days, but it adds up. And, um, you know, a lot of times kids will say, I just had to remind myself that there's a snack at home. I don't need to stop on the way home. There's a snack at home. Um, And I think that the amount of money that you can save just by preparing meals yourself is astounding. You know, if you think about, for instance, like cooking for one, I spend roughly, I'd say like 60 to $70 a week on my groceries. And, you know, if you divide that up across the seven days, right, that's like $10 a day. And that compared to if I eat out every day of the week, right? Meals are upwards of $10. Like I, I don't think I've gotten a meal for under $10 from a restaurant out. Also like not to mention the food that we're making at home is a lot healthier, right? And if we're fueling our bodies with healthy food, we're going to make better decisions all around the board also financially. Um, and so I think that instilling just this mindset of preparing food for yourself especially when you get off to college and, you know, maybe you're at a college where you have a meal plan, but then what happens when you move off campus and you're now faced with a kitchen and like ramen noodles, right? Like if you learn how to cook and teach yourself how to cook, you can have good meals at a much lower price. One of the fun things that we do in the budgeting unit is I have them come up with a, a budget meal under $20, I think, to feed four. And then 
they have to, you know, figure out all the ingredients, make sure that they're under the $20 and actually prepare the meal for their family. Um, so that's a fun one. And then the last thing you want them to remember, I love seeds. I love planting these seeds, um, mm-hmm. save now, not later. So yeah, have you think, seen the girls take that in yet and, and start? Yeah. Well, actually today, one of my students, she came in, she was so excited. She said, I put 10% of my paycheck into my savings. I want to touch it so bad, but I'm not going to. And I was very proud. <laughs> so and, and- I love it when they come in and, and share those ways that they're actually taking those actions in their everyday life. Yeah. And it's baby steps. And 10% today could be 20% tomorrow. And when they realize like, I can up my game, Mm -hmm. I can up my game and I can beat myself. I can play a little, I can put a little bit more in there, but but baby steps, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. When I was um, working full-time, I used to have, you know, I'd have folks come in and talk to me and then they'd come back in another couple of months and check in and tell me how it was going. And what they would like to do is they would make it a game for themselves. Mm-hmm. So they would like save their money and they, some of them would make like the, like the thermometer with like their savings level. And some of them would make a graph, like here's how much, and they would try to do more the next month in savings than they did the prior month Yeah, just to challenge themselves and keep themselves motivated. And then when they would see it hit like $500 and they're like, Oh, I can do better. They'd see it hit a thousand and then 1500. And then these numbers are now big Mm -hmm. because they've never had that much money in their bank account before, except for on payday for 20 minutes. And then it would be right back out. So they really would start to get inspired. So, yeah, I'd love to, to think of a way that I could do something like that in the personal finance class. I think they would, I think the students would really enjoy that kind of like the competition aspect. I think the saving now, not later is huge. And I'm really grateful that, you know, from an early age, I was always a saver. So I have an older brother, he's going to call me out on this, but he's a spender. Um, And, you know, we saw this from when we were little, you know, when grandma would send a couple bucks in the mail for Valentine's Day, or, you know, another holiday, I was always, you know, running to put my money in my little wallet that I kept in my dad's sock drawer. I think it might still be there. I'll have to go check that next time I'm home. Um, you better put that IRA. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now, now I know it, it's not doing anything in that wallet in the sock drawer. It's, just, um, it's losing value. Yeah. But you know, my brother was always like, what's the next but like Pokemon check, card or game or check where it is before your brother hears this. I know this is, this is a good call. He's a spender, but he's not a stealer, but yeah. So like I would only take money out of that wallet if it was something super, super big. And so I think that that kind of mentality I've, I've just continued and I'm, I'm really grateful because I think, you know, not being tempted by, you know, the new purse or Starbucks or a new jacket or things like that just helped to be able to make more deliberate financial decisions. And so I asked all of my students, you know, are you a spender? Or are you a saver? And like, how do you feel about that? Some people are spenders. And so I think kind of going back to our talking about budgeting, they just got to budget their spending or they got to put their spending into their budget. And then you cannot feel bad about spending. Exactly. Yep. Just budget for it. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. I'm an impulse shopper. There's yeah. no secret on that. <laughs> but we budget for it. So I love to run and I also love ice cream. Anybody who's ever met me even for, well, I guess 
we've now been talking for 35, 40 minutes. So now you know that I like ice cream. Um, <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> but I always tell people, and I run for a lot of reasons, but I always tell people I run because I love to eat ice cream. And so if I go for a run, I don't have to feel bad about eating the ice cream. And I think that kind of goes with budgeting. If we put it into our budget, we don't have to feel bad about it because we exactly. already thought about it. Yep. And that, that's a great point because budgeting mm-hmm. so sometimes is so stressful for people. Mm-hmm. And, and just the word budget is so ugly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like to call it like planning your spending. Mm-hmm. or something that's has a little bit of a softer edge because budget yeah. is just so painful sounding mm-hmm. like diet. Yeah. And so nobody wants that planning for your ice cream is fine. Mm-hmm. I plan for it. And you talking about you're a saver and your brother's a spender. I find it interesting. Like the money personalities that we have, mm-hmm. like some people are gift givers and, you know, some people are spenders, savers, some people are like spend for status so that they have the shoes and the person, the things. Mm-hmm. So all of our, those different personalities and learning ways to work within our personalities. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, the first kind of intro that we do, we don't like dive right into savings or checking or credit and personal finance. We really start with kind of those conversations and it's kind of called like my money and me, right? So how we relate to money, what factors of our life, kind of our upbringing has contributed to how we think about money, how we feel about money, how we spend money, how we see money. And I think being able, like you mentioned, an impulse shopper, right? We talked about all the the different kind of ways that people relate to money and having them recognize, oh, like I am an impulse buyer. How can I counteract that? Right. And so I think just having them enter into those conversations of how do I relate to money can then help them kind of frame their, their future financial education. I'm so happy that there's personal finance at school. I always ask them, you know, on the first day, why are you here? And a lot of times I get, my mom made me sign up. Um, But I think by the end they realize why I'm really grateful that I was pushed to take this class. Yeah. Because it really, it lays the foundation. It really does. And it's nice to know that the schools are, are incorporating this more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully we see some more growth in the coming years. Yeah. You want to recap the four things you want your kids to remember before we, we say goodbye for the evening? Absolutely. Yeah. So that first one, use your credit card wisely and always pay it off in full. Um, never put anything on your credit card that you know you can't afford. That second one was make a budget and track your spending. You'd be surprised by the things that you don't want to spend money on because you have to write it down. Uh, The third one was how to cook and learn to enjoy cooking because it'll save you a lot of money. Um, And then that fourth one, super important, save now, not later. It's not going to happen overnight, but you got to start somewhere. Yep. Like how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming. It's a blast. This podcast. This is really exciting because, I mean, we talk. I mean, our the whole thing is things you didn't learn in school, but now we know in twenty one states, we are starting to learn this in school. So this is really fantastic, or it's required. I'm sure other states do it here and there. Schools do, but it's required now in twenty one states. So any last words? Save now, not later. All right. Well, thank you so much (laughs) for being here today. And thank you for being a fantastic teacher to Jenna, because she does love you. And 
I've heard other girls say that they are enjoying the class. It's such a welcome thing. And to also have somebody who they feel like they can relate to mm-hmm. is so important. So that alone, we appreciate. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure to be here. I've enjoyed our conversation. Me too. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the Ask My Mom podcast. And I'll have another one for you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ask My Mom podcast. You can get in touch with us on Facebook at Ask My Mom Pod. You can email any questions to askmymompod at gmail.com. And of course, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this.